Hey everyone, and welcome to the Gals Chat Podcast. This is your co-host, Amy. And this is your co-host, Laura. In today's episode of the podcast, we're interviewing Gina Moreno, who is going to talk to us about her journey as a first-generation engineer and her self-discovery journey. Gina is a current program manager at Microsoft, TikTok creator, blogger, and side career coach. Gina has been on a journey to share her voice, starting with her TEDx in 2019, and now using other vehicles to share her personal experiences as a first-generation Latina, first-generation graduate, and all the healing and awareness needed to continue to self-discover and self-actualize. Gina holds an Industrial Engineering BS and Systems Engineering MS, and has a big passion to continue to bring minority communities to STEM and normalize the diversity that this brings. Hey, Gina, how are you? Hi, Gina. (laughs) Hi, I'm great. I'm so excited to talk to you all today. Yeah, thanks for joining. We're so excited to hear more about you. And I mean, we've all connected online, but we're excited for our listeners to get to know you better. Yes, thank you so much. I'm so honored and so excited to (laughs) share everything with you all. So let's get started. Let's jump right into it. And start by you telling us what piqued your interest in engineering. Yeah, so I think like my first answer is the most typical answer. I think, you know, when they're interviewing people, they always say like, you know, why did you choose your major? And I think we're pretty generally drawn to what we think we're good at right so I think like when you're good at something it builds confidence and then you know you feel confident so you go for it right so then I was always really good at math growing up and so you know when I when it was the time to decide what I wanted to do for college it was difficult for me because I don't really know anybody professional in my family so it was kind of like I can't really ask anybody you know I don't I haven't seen anybody do anything so I kind of had a blank slate right so um, just thinking about, you know, what my strengths were, I looked at, okay, I don't want to be a math teacher, but what else can I do with math? So then I literally went on YouTube and like looked at different types of engineering. And then I liked industrial and I was like, okay. And the reason why I was drawn to it is because it had a more humanistic approach. So I think a lot of the other engineering disciplines are basically just marketed as like, you're going to fix this issue, you're going to solve these complex math problems. And then the way industrial engineering was presented is like, you're doing all this work at the end of the day to make someone's life easier, better, you know, so that they have better working conditions. And I was like, oh my God, uh, you know, I I want to do that. I want to have an impact on people. And so I think all of engineering careers have a huge impact on people, but it was just like easier for me to see the direct correlation at that time. And so that's why I'm a huge advocate for just changing the brand of STEM to be like, how is this going to impact the world? And that way we can draw more of these new generations and women. I love that. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's an amazing aspect that, I mean, I think quite a few people have mentioned that on on the podcast and it's a beautiful thing to, to see that we have that in common. I think that's, that's pretty awesome. Which university did you go to? I, I don't know if we'll get into it later, but... I know for mine, like they didn't, I don't think they had industrial engineering like as a specific mm-hmm. major. Yeah. So I actually went to the University of Texas at El Paso. So it's the city that I grew up in. Right. So then it was like my, you know, 
since again, like I, I was aware of like college and stuff, but I, I don't think I, I was as aware as like all the opportunities that were out there. And, you know, growing up in a Hispanic household, it was just kind of like a given that I wasn't really going to leave. Right. So then it was just like, okay, um, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to do industrial, um, I think it started in our university as mechanical engineering and industrial together, and it eventually developed into its own program. Can you tell us a little bit more about what industrial engineering really is? Yeah, so I think one of the greatest things about industrial engineering is that it has so many opportunities and different things you can do. I think industrial engineering is mostly thought of as how to make things more efficient in a manufacturing plant. So if you have, you know, like if you picture like a factory and you look at, okay, I have, you know, 60 workers and I'm creating, you know, a hundred products a day and I'm using, you know, 10 parts for those products, you know, and there's seven steps to the process. How can I arrange this in the factory so that it doesn't use as much distance? It doesn't doesn't use as much energy and I can um, ensure that my workers are safe, that they don't, you know, have as much strain in their body and how to lower cost. So I think it's always around how can I make this easier, faster, stronger, you know, like, and it's always using mathematical methods to figure that out. Uh, I, I mean, again, that's like the general application. But then if you look at it, I mean, those principles are applicable in any workplace, even, you know, the way that I'm applying it now. Um, and I'll jump into that, you know, in just a bit, but it's literally looking at business processes and looking at where, where are our bottlenecks or where are those things? that are preventing us from moving faster? Um, or what are those things that are causing us so much money that we can optimize, you know? And so that's what I like, that you can apply it anywhere. And at the end of the day, everybody wants to save money. Everybody wants to save resources. Everybody wants to make better conditions for people. So, so yeah, that's why I was drawn to it. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. I asked that because similar to you, Lara, I didn't have industrial engineering at our college too. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm really curious, like, what does that really look like? But Mm -hmm. you did your master's in systems engineering. So how did you end up doing your master's in systems? So um, actually, like, I feel in some schools, industrial and systems engineering is together. Um, For me, when I was doing my degree, it was purely industrial. And I had one systems engineering class. And so at the time in 2016, um, you know, when I was like a junior, I enrolled in a fast track program to do an MBA because I wanted to learn more about business and how it tied back, you know, to everything. And so I enrolled in the program, you know, I got accepted. And so um, during that time, I was also doing a research project um, with Lockheed Martin. And it was all about optimizing their information technology system. So it was basically looking at how they did transactions, you know, and all these fancy words, right? But it basically uh, reducing the transactions that they made in in IT systems. And so when we did that, I had a mentor and his name is Dr. Mondragon and he, you know, he's a, a great leader and, and person. And I, I connected so much to him because he had two daughters and they were like eight and 10 and he would always talk about them. And and he would, it was just so sweet, like to experience him as a person. And so in the research team, it was actually four women. And so sometimes I felt like he treated us like 
you know, his daughters, you know, because he was like, no, that was not the way to do that. And we were like, oh, don't get mad at us. Yeah. So um, he was the one who was the director at the time for systems engineering or he was an advisor for systems engineering. And he would always tell me, hey, you know, like, I know you're doing your fast track for an MBA and eventually that's what you want to do. But I'm very confident that you're going to switch to systems engineering after this project. And he would tease me with that. Like, he would be like, I know you're coming to us. Like, I know you're going to (laughs) change. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Like, you know, and then um, when we finished the project, it really exposed me to what system engineering was and how it looked like. And I was like, oh, my God, this is actually really fun. Like, I'm super passionate about this. I want to do it. And so it turns out that, you know, by the time that I switched, you know, to the engineering school, I just had like one year left of school and so it was just like I'm a TA I'm 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 a teaching assistant I'm a re- research assistant I I'm fully funded it makes sense to make my you know to do my master's degree here That's pretty amazing the timing and how everything just worked out So you also did your master's at El Paso and continued yeah. kind of doing the That's really cool Yeah <laughs> and I'm a very anxious person who always thinks about the future right so that's one of the things that really helped me you know when I was a freshman in college I would always plan out like all my semesters and stuff and I just keep learning and realizing that you know when things are are meant to be for you they just kind of align you know and and I still I'm still learning that but yeah like systems engineering is is how to analyze complex systems and it's more of a bigger scope of like it has a little bit of everything it has like project management you know looking at the cost and the timing and it's proven that if you have a systems engineer you will uh, you know there's a lot more likelihood that you be on time and on budget and um, the systems engineer is basically their job is to look at two things uh, so the verification and validation of things so not only are we building the things like we were told are we fulfilling the requirements um, but did we build the right thing did we solve the problem because a lot of projects are always like yeah we filled the requirements you, we did the things the way that we were supposed to but they didn't ask for a car they asked for a plane we didn't solve the problem and so that that's the whole thinking of systems engineering hmm, that's, that's really interesting cool. and then yeah. all of that you transitioned over to becoming a pm Yeah, so a lot of my experiences in college um, were really industrial engineering oriented. So my first internship was with Northrop Grumman. And I can really empathize with students that have a hard time obtaining their first internship because I knew what an internship was. And I, I think it took me over a year to get one. And I think it was because I didn't realize all the professional soft skills, quote unquote, that I needed to be able to get an interview, to be able to pass that interview and get an offer. And I ended up getting it like a semester before graduating for my bachelor's. So then, um, you know, like I worked with Northrop Grumman and it was a lot of like creating tools so that we can maintain a B-2 aircraft. Um, And that was like the most like out of comfort experience because I moved to Missouri in oh the gosh. middle of nowhere. Yeah. Missouri. Yeah. <laughs> that was your first internship? Yeah. So I think I was so scared that 
I wouldn't get anything else that when I got the offer, I was like, yes, I'm moving to Missouri. I don't care. Because I had waited for so long. And so, you know, in conferences, which is, you know, how I've gotten a lot of the opportunities that I've gotten, I don't want to say they pressure you, but they kind of do because like, that's why they're there because they want to be able to have, you know, that talent come in. And so, yeah. So first I worked for Northrop, you know, in Missouri, again, super out of comfort experience. It was like the first experience that I realized that was a minority, you know, because I was born and raised in El Paso, which is heavily Hispanic. And going there and being the only person, you know, who looks like me and the only people I could relate to were people in restaurants at the Mexican restaurants, you know, it was really Aww. sad for me. And then, you know, I, I mean, I, I did though, I did choose that purposely because I wanted to get out of my comfort zone. I was aware, like I've been here my whole life, like I need to do something different. Mm-hmm. And so um, after graduating with my bachelor's, I worked for Toyota in San Antonio and that was like so fun like it, it was just a really cool experience because it was a co-op program which is just a long-term internship and so you have a designated group of interns quote-unquote and it's just a lot of fun activities and then um, the last internship that I did was in Cummins which is an engine company in Indiana so again Midwest uh, so <laughs> I, I got a lot of like small town vibes for my experiences and uh, all of that was very well most of it was industrial and then in my last internship I got some opportunities to do systems work and so that's when I was like okay yeah this ties in perfectly with my master's program and and yeah and then um after that and I I feel like I'm talking a lot but I think um let me know if it all makes sense but yeah it does I was gonna say uh tell us more about the these experiences that you've had while being in college after graduating with your bachelor's and, and master's like what are some of the experiences and challenges that you went through? Yeah, I think um, being a first generation, you have a lack of awareness and a lack of perspective. I feel all these experiences helped me gain perspective, not only into what I wanted, and what would make me the happiest, what would make me, you know, the most fulfilled, but also like how a business works, how corporate works, you know, all these small things that nobody really tells you because it's just given with American culture. And so with each of these experiences, I got more, more and more context of how this American corporate world worked. (laughs) And so I graduated and I started working for Microsoft as a technical account manager. And so I think it was my dream job up until, you know, that point. It was like, oh my God, you know, this is what I worked so hard for. And so I was I was in that role for about a year, but it was not exactly what I imagined. Like in paper, it looked amazing, you know, but once I did it, I was like, okay, I like it, but I'm not really doing a lot of work that I've done in the past related to engineering. I'm doing more sales and more like tech um, sales and tech support other than like creative engineering work. And so I think like since 
again, like having that lack of context of like not really knowing like the full picture of how a business works and like the life cycle of things and, and things of that nature. I don't regret it at all. Like I, I was very happy in the beginning, you know, like I, I really enjoyed that experience. But afterwards, I pursued another role internally. So now I'm in SAP on Azure, which is a, an internal team. And I think the funnest thing about one of my projects is looking at how do we do things internally at Microsoft that we could create solutions for other enterprise companies? And so it's it's kind of, it's called go to market, right? Like it's it's basically like level zero. Like, do we do things here that could work for other people? And so I found my way there. And um, yeah, like I think through all these experiences, again, just gaining context and I keep gaining more and more. And I'm like, that's why I'm so passionate about sharing because it's so many things that a lot of us don't, know or or don't have access to it's like not like a known growing up you kind of have to like for most people it's like common sense but i think a lot of immigrants and first generation americans feel that confusion of like what to do and like kind of like what you were saying about like what's going to actually make me happy how do i navigate myself in the corporate world and all of that yeah and i think i didn't realize how much I had done or how significant it was that I was the first one in my family to to graduate from college because in the border it's very common for you to like be the the person who jumps generationally and in an you know in in monetary ways and in education ways UTEP I believe is number seven for that I there's a name for it that's slipping my my mind right now, but it basically means that you you jump your parents, um, you know, in wealth. And so it's very common here. So for me, it wasn't a big deal. It was like, oh, you know, I did all this. But then when I got to Microsoft and, you know, there, I entered through a program called the Spire program, which is for college hires. Um, you know, it was like networking with 300 people the first day and learning, you know, where they went to college, you know, their experiences. I was like, oh, crap. Like, basically like I've done like double what some of these people have done to get here. And, you know, it it was being aware of like the privileges that other people grew up with that I didn't have. And, you know, I think we all have some type of privileges, right? Through our identity or through different things. And so I think I started to develop imposter syndrome up until I started working. Like before that I had never felt it, but I think it was more because I didn't really know what how easy quote unquote it was for other people and not not trying to take away you know their their accomplishments but just saying like some people have roadblocks that other people don't even see you know they they don't even they're not even aware of those because they don't they don't have them and so a lot of examples of that can look like you know having to work while you're going to school if you're like a low income or first gen you know like you have no option and you have to but it does take away from your studies it does take away from other things that you can do and so yeah i, I think that awareness that i got afterwards that i'm i'm so proud of it and i'm trying to make other people aware of like what you're doing is a big deal and you have to recognize it Yeah, I agree. I think definitely you talk a lot about celebrating your accomplishments online on like your Instagram and TikTok and stuff. But what really started that self-realization and healing journey for you and how important is investing in yourself to you? Yeah. So, oh, big question. (laughs) This is a star topic. (laughs) It gets real, guys. Um, Yeah. So 
after graduating college, you know, for my bachelor's and master's at 23, I had a TED Talk, you know, at 22 and starting working for my dream job and dream company. It was kind of like, okay, I can breathe. <laughs> after 23 years, I can breathe. And, you know, when I started working, um, there was a really specific instance that I have talked about, you know, in the past. But it was basically a hiking trip that we had with in Dallas, you know, where I worked at the time. And it was a part of SHIP, Society of Hispanic Professional Engineers. And it was uh, a hiking trip where we did a lot of reflection. And so one of the questions that, you know, we got asked was, what makes you happy and what do you look forward to every day? And that sent me <laughs> to a whole crisis. Like, when I tell you... Oh, my God, what? <laughs> You're like, what is happiness? I don't know. Who am I? I'm like, what is this question? I've never asked myself that question. <laughs> I, I was like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> so, like I, I don't know. It was, it, it was a few months after I started working, you know, and I was like... I don't know. I don't know what makes me happy. I don't know what makes me look forward to things every day. And so I actually texted all my friends. <laughs> and I was like, what makes you happy? What do you look forward to every day? And so it, it shocked everyone, right? Like, I think, you know, after, after the initial shock, you kind of like think about it. And you're like, okay, these are the things that make me happy. But there was really nothing that I mean, of course, you know, very blessed, very happy, but there was really nothing that I could pinpoint. And so I realized that I had placed all my hopes and all my dreams and getting a college degree in like getting my dream job that I didn't really think about anything else. Like it was just kind of like being in survival mode, like all my life, like I have to do this, I have to do this. And once I did it, it was like, okay, what's next? Like, is this it? Like, And you're and, only 25. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And at the time, I was 23, you know, like, right. I was like, 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 I still got quite a few years to go. <laughs> I was like, Lord, like, what is there after this? But, you know, I think it was just going back to that I was in survival mode. You don't really have time to breathe and think when you're a uh, first generation and have so much pressure to like graduate college and and I'm the type of person that does everything extremely fast like I'm very impatient so then you know like I graduated from my bachelor's at 21 like I you know let's super young like you barely know who you are at that point and so um all of this journey of self-love and healing started by back then because I was like okay, I don't know what makes me happy, even if I already accomplished so much of what I wanted. And I don't know what I want now. Like I got what I wanted and what what's next. So then um, that's how the whole crisis started. That's how the quarter life crisis started. And yeah, like I think um, I got a lot of help after that, because that's when the pandemic, you know, a few months after that, you know, about half a year after that, the pandemic started and it just made everything, you know, duplicate it was like okay <laughs> uh everything like went downhill and you know I I started therapy I started you know with a life coach and it really put into perspective a lot of the beliefs that I had growing up and and I, I used to obviously say, you know, my value doesn't come from my career my value doesn't come from my education but 
I think my actions just said different things and my thoughts just reflected different things. And uh, yeah, I could talk about this forever, but yeah, that, that's how the whole thing just kind of like unraveled. And from that moment, I also realized that I hadn't really been appreciative because one of the strongest exercises I did with my therapist is to, I think it was the first one or like second one. And I was really, again, in shock. Mm -hmm. It was like, write 10 things that you love about yourself. And it was like, love 10 things that other people, you know, love about you. It, it was all about, you know, you. And I had such a hard time answering those questions. And I was like, am I not appreciative of myself? Like, do I not recognize what I've done or like who I am as a person? And so, you know, after that, I think I've been in a journey of like continuously investing in myself and being proud of myself. And again, it's a journey. You know, there are days where I'm just like not there. But I think through helping others appreciate themselves, it has helped me and it helps others as well. I agree. I think that's a, a beautiful way to look at it. Like the way we transfer what we have learned to help others. It's a great way that, um, to use that to help ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's really awesome. I love those like questions that just make you like just stop and think and like reevaluate everything that you've learned <laughs> and like reconsider you're like, wait, <laughs> what did they just ask me? Yeah. Uh, I love those moments. But I think it's very common for us as we are growing up or just changing environments. Um, definitely as being like first generation students or graduates or professionals like we are entering really different environments from everything that we've been familiarized with and it's like shock after shock sometimes <laughs> my whole life. like, yeah, I, like I, I just called it existential crisis right and I started right. having them at 23 <laughs> and like now I always joke around that like I graduated from like my daily crisis and now I have monthly crisis you know it's it's getting better <laughs> but I think you're right I've never thought about that it's just like being exposed to things we have never even heard of and right. it just takes your consciousness to a whole nother place yeah I think it's a beautiful thing I think it's fun I, I mean like you said it's like you go from like daily crises to like monthly but I think like once you kind of get the hang of it it's like oh this is kind of fun or it's like oh I got the hang of this like it's I already know kind of what the process looks like so let's see what else I can become aware of or what else is I'm gonna be exposed to next or yeah what else is gonna yeah. be thrown at me in a way or like what like what path what path am I go down am I gonna go down and what am I gonna experience so I mean that's something yeah. that like helped me a lot with my perspective is just like look at it in a fun way to just continuing to experience life because I mean I had something similar uh, like a similar experience um, to you it's like once you graduated college and started working I was like okay now what I was like uh, do I just continue like trying to advance my career what can I actually do outside of it? or like what am I actually going to do with my life because up until that point, it was just like, like you said, just school and being on that survival mode and just getting that job or like graduating. And because that's what you had been kind of taught or told your whole life. Exactly. So, like, exactly. After that, it was like, uh, okay, now, now <laughs> I got all <laughs> these years ahead of me. <laughs> so much that I've learned, so much that there is out there to experience. And I think it's, I think it's fun to just continue it to experience it that way. 
Well, I love hearing that, Laura. Um, I'm taking notes because sometimes I'm there, you know, sometimes I'm just like, when is this crisis going to be over? I don't think it's going to be oh, over. I think Lord. that was a huge thing for me. It was like, ah, this is not going to end. Oh, so Lord. I'm going to, I learned to kind of just enjoy it and it's, it, it's fun. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love that perspective. I love it. I mean, if you look at things like how exciting, you know, what am I going to learn next? Other than what thing <laughs> am I going to find out that I've been wrong my whole life? You know, that's true. <laughs> I think the yeah. Person, it's a better perspective. That is really yeah. Good I mean, gosh, we've been, yeah, even with like, I think we had another episode where we kind of talked about this. Maybe it was with like Nikki's episode, but like we're all kind of exposed to this whole new engineering environment uh being like women engineering and all of that stuff but it's just like something new that we're all experiencing together through our community but individually at the same time and everyone has a different experience but I think what I was going with this is just like try to have fun with it I actually love that (laughs) advice I think so Yes, thank you, Laura. We, we I think it was Jean and I are just like <laughs> I had that same like feel like people don't tell you it's I feel like it's a come down after you graduate college. It's like totally you're on this so. high, like, oh my god, I'm first generation, I'm gonna get this degree, I'm gonna make so much money with my engineering degree. And then you're there and you're working nine to five and you're like, wait, what? Like, is this life now? Like am I but then, like, going back to your perspective, really? Laura, is, like, the more you continue to do new things and invest, like, whether that's education, therapy, career coach, life coach, the more you learn about yourself and the more exciting things do get, you know, rather than, like, mm-hmm. kind of, like, being in yeah. your comfort zone versus being challenged. Like, it's really painful to get out yeah. of your comfort zone, mm-hmm. but that's the time where you are the most, like, alive and, like kind of thriving in a new mm. way, you know, that you haven't mm-hmm. before. I I can totally relate to that. And I think it's a beautiful thing to like just take that time. I think the more you get to know yourself, the more you are able to pick and choose those new challenges that excite you and like help you shape yourself in the way that you want to move forward. Like obviously we don't we're not always going to like get what we want, but I think it's a lot easier to shape ourselves or grow and become the person that we want to become rather than like previously throughout the first few, the first like 20 to 25 years of our lives. Yeah. Uh, we're kind of being told the path to follow. We're given that yeah. structure in a way, uh, whether we're new to it or through it, whether it was through like teachers or professors or advisors or mentors, like there was that sort of a structure. And then after we graduated college, it was like, kind of on our own so it's a beautiful thing that Gina talked about like her investing in therapy and a life coach and just creating that network that helps you give yourself that structure that we kind of need after graduation (laughs) yeah and I think it's just like the biggest realization is that the rest of your life is up to you so you can choose what you want (laughs) it's like what <laughs> I mean, you would think the thing is like you would think that that's a like a given like that's an obvious yeah. statement but like the more you meet other people it's like I guess some people grew up with that perspective and other people just didn't have the opportunity to do that mm-hmm. and it's it's really great to meet other people who like didn't who were 
again on that kind of survival mode versus like hey you you get to do whatever you want with your life in yeah. a way like yeah. and, and I think we're all like the three of us and hopefully more people who are listening to this can kind of relate to that the concept that like hey now that you are taking the time to um, appreciate yourself and your accomplishments like you really can just create anything that you want for yourself. And I think it's a beautiful yeah. feeling for first-generation students or professionals to to come to terms with. It's, it's, it's kind of difficult sometimes, but I think it's beautiful. Because I feel like in ways, you know, I've, I saw this online that we're also the first generation to go to therapy and have access to these mm-hmm. resources that oh, our gosh. parents actually didn't even have. And you really like yeah. sit with that and you're like, this is a pretty magnificent opportunity that we do have. And I'm actually really like grateful for that. And I feel like it's a really big mm-hmm. deal. <laughs> yeah. So I think um, I read that our parents' task was to survive and our gift is to be able to self-actualize. You know, it's a privilege. It's beautiful. It, I don't think it takes away the uncomfortableness and the you know the hardness or the you know how hard it can be but it's beautiful so yeah I definitely prefer thinking about it in that way yeah I agree with that so kind of tying with tied with that topic what inspires you to do outreach work and content creation you I know you use various different platforms and also do career coaching so what inspired you to begin all of that um, and make it public? Yeah, I think um, initially it's the very general idea of what Engineering Gal stands for, right? Um, to have representation of people that look like us, right? But I think it goes far more farther than that into saying like we are all multi-dimensional and I feel when you embody your true self and you show you show yourself as you are you give people permission to do the same thing and so I think for example um you know in high school I was um you know I I had good grades I I did well. I had AP classes. I, I I think I won one award in high school and it was because I had so many college credits. But, you know, all the people that I hanged out with were more of like, you know, like, you know, the people that you have fun with, right? Like, let's go out. Let's do fun stuff. You know, let's do this activity today. And so when I would talk about the type of grades that I would get, which were really good, they would meet me by saying like, what like you get good grades and I don't think I processed it at the time but looking back at it now like it's just like why did people perceive me as a person who didn't care about school just because I like to have fun and I was loud and I was like as Mexican as I can be you know (laughs) and so it was I think it's just because people had a hard time Uh, with your identity if you're not in a box and it's just like um, I think I've had the same thing the same recurring theme and I think it goes back to feminism as to like you know women I think we talk about you know uh, engineering uh, engineering a bikini or like an engineer doing this and it's just like trying to normalize all these aspects of ourselves that you know we are as a person and so as as a hardworking woman you know as a 
as everything. And so I think it all started just because of, of that passion and like getting to, I think I, I mentioned this in a live before, everybody looks for three things. Everybody looks for freedom, connection, and purpose in different ways. So I think, you know, when you think about freedom, usually it's because, oh, you want money, you know, you want financial liberties that will get you that freedom. But what you really want is the freedom. You don't really want the money, right? You want the freedom. And same thing with connection. You know, people always look for partners and like, you know, having that significant other, but what they really want is connection. And same thing with purpose. We all want that dream job, but what is it that we want? We want the purpose to what we're doing. And so I think through content creation, outreach, and just doing coaching, I found all of those three. And it makes me very happy, you know, being able to connect with people, also building another stream of income and having that purpose of what I'm doing other than my nine to five. Right, right. Yeah, I also feel like there's, I don't know if it's just like our generation, but there's been such a negative connotation tied to a nine to five. And I feel like that ties to a lot of people not finding their purpose through their nine to five because there's such like structured roles that they have to go out to find or create something that like allows them to really bring their whole full self and multidimensional self to life, like bring themselves to life in a way. And it's just like, it's so interesting because how I saw it is like a lot of people I think feel that way because they have to leave themselves back when they go into work because it's been so structured in a, like a professional environment. Like there's been such a, like this, you have to be this professional self that like sometimes it doesn't leave room to, for you to be yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's not always that case. I, I'm pretty sure it depends on like groups that you're in or the company that you're in, the culture, that's yeah. why the company culture is so important. But I feel like over the years it has been, it has built up with that sort of reputation or feeling and people's experiences that I think that's why there's such a huge shift recently for people to just go out and start kind of their own thing, their side hustles, like social media is so powerful and it's really allowing people to express themselves in different ways and create careers out of it. And it's, it's a beautiful thing that you have also been able to do that and use all these different things to just give yourself that like purpose and freedom to be yourself and help other people along the way. I think that's, that's the best way to combine everything. Yes, yes. I I love when the intersection of things um, happens. And I think we've, um, Laura and I have talked about this before. (laughs) Like, that's how the most innovative ideas happen through the combination of two things that are sometimes, you know, unrelated. But but yes, I, I really enjoy it. Like, I, I don't, think it was obvious to me to like start creating content it was just the type of people that I started associating myself with started doing amazing things and uh, and it gave me so many ideas you know and I was like oh I can create a blog that can have resources for people who need them oh I can create content on this you know like it's just like opened my mind to new things yeah and I love what you said about like people struggle to put you in a box right and Mm -hmm. like I've experienced that a lot too, where I feel like there's not one box that I can fit in at all. There's no way. And for most women like that we talk to on this podcast or just women in engineering in general, most people don't really fit in a box. Like they're multidimensional. They have multiple interests outside of engineering itself. 
that make them who they are and brings into that passion and drive and what they do take into work or do on their side hustle. But I really definitely related a lot with that. Yeah. Yeah. So a question that I had, like, guess kind of tied to this before we move on. How much of your life do you bring to work? How much, how do you combine all of your passions and bring them to work? So I think um, I, I actually read this in one of your posts, Amy, that I realized that, you know, balance in life doesn't mean balance every day. Like, I think there was always like pressure, like, you know, a few months ago, like every day I'm going to do like these nine things because I want to do these nine <laughs> things. But I think there's different eras in your life. Well, with and, you know, periods of time where some things are going to be more important than others. And so I think going back to the first question of authenticity, I think it definitely takes time and it takes good culture. Um, I recently read The Culture Code, and I don't remember the name of the author, but it's called The Culture Code. And it, I, it's part of a book club at Microsoft. And I was leading that initiative. And it talks about how to create culture, good culture at work. And they did, you know, a thousand studies. And the number one thing that stood out to me is that you need psychological safety. And so how do you build psychological safety? You constantly reassure the people in your team that it is okay to make mistakes, that it is okay to, you know, say things as they are. It is okay. Like nobody's going to come and like, you know, get mad at you if you do a certain thing or say a certain thing. And so through small messages and interactions, that's how you build psychological safety. And I think, again, that I think that takes time. And I think it takes, um, if you are not similar to your coworkers, I think it takes conscious effort to build relationships with the people that you work with. And I think, you know, a lot of people don't want to do that effort. It's just like, you know, I'm here to work and, you know, deuces. But I think it's important to take the time to get to know your coworkers as people. Like, mm -hmm. what are they interested in? What what ticks them off? How do you motivate them? Even if you're not a manager, you know, how can I work best with this person? And you can do that through personality tests. That helps a lot. You can do that through, you know, games outside work. You can do that through, you know, going to a happy hour with them, um, just different things. And I think that allows you to be yourself more and more. And mm -hmm. the more that you are closer to your authentic self, the more you can do best work. I mean, I, it always goes, sadly, capitalism, it always goes back to the business. If I am performing my best, I'm going to bring more money to the company. So there's no argument against it, right? Like, I think it's always best to be yourself. And I have discovered that with certain people, it just comes a lot easier to state my ideas as they are, to mm -hmm. ask really challenging questions because I'm thinking about them. And with other people, it's just a lot harder. Like, I don't even know what to ask it just the connection doesn't really come naturally and those type of people are the ones that you need to invest more time in at the end of the day it's going to be best for everyone so yeah I think that answers the first question hopefully <laughs> yeah that answers the question uh, and I think it's really good information and feedback uh, for new graduates or people who are starting to just enter the workplace or like bigger corporations because mm -hmm. it's like yes you want to do a good job but part of doing that doing your job and being good at it is 
investing in those relationships with your coworkers and other people that you're going to be working with and understanding, forming those connections to also help yourself create that psychological safety. I love that term. I'm going to, I'm going to check out that book that you mentioned because yeah. that really uh, piqued my interest. So that's really cool. Same. I actually have never even uh, thought about that before. So I'm really glad that you shared that. Yeah. yeah, it's it's one of the things that I learned as a technical account manager. So actually, the discipline of a TAM is relationship building. It's so crazy. Like, that's the discipline. And it's because you have to be the face, quote unquote, of Microsoft for a company. And you have to help them through their problems. You have to be there for the good times. And so what the, the number one thing that, you know, we got taught was like, you need to build the relationships with them. And how do you do that? Don't talk about work, talk about other things. And so when I did that, um, there was a specific instance that one time I went to a customer visit and I went with my peer and she is, you know, a white woman. And so when we went, I realized how easier, how much easier it was for her to form a connection with the customer because they grew up in the same type of environment. They would go fishing and they would go to the lake. And so to me, it was like, I'm from the desert and I don't even, <laughs> I haven't even seen the, I didn't even see the lake until I was like 20 years old. You know, like, and so I, I started getting imposter syndrome. Yeah. Like I started getting imposter syndrome because I'm like, oh my God, like look at how easy it was for her because they have, you know, very similar ways of growing up and like values. And to me, like I'm completely different. So I, I, for some time I was really nervous and like, I was just having a lot of doubts. And then I shifted my perspective to saying we're all human fundamentally and we all have a connection point. So to me with this customer, it was not about yeah I also went fishing and like I went to the lake it was more of like oh my god I've actually never went been fishing tell me about how that is you know tell me about what you do you know he, he also did scuba diving lessons and so he, I was like <laughs> I've never done that like tell me more about that and so it was more of taking the approach of like I want to make a connection with them and not limiting myself first and saying we have nothing in common like how am I going to make this connection and I think that helped me a lot I love that. right instead of taking that perspective of like oh I got I have nothing in common with these people like I feel like I don't belong or like I yeah. feel like the moment you give yourself that mentality you're like shutting yourself out exactly of, of that situation or those opportunities whereas mm -hmm. like when you take the approach that Gina mentioned is like you're giving yourself the opportunity to create that connection and I think that's um, what really can give you a huge advantage um, when like networking or at work or in any any situation. Yeah. And if that. you think about it, like that's why a lot of like cis white males have so many opportunities and privileges is because one of the reasons is because they make such great connections with people. And if think about it, what if you were to work with people that were your age and your ethnicity? How much easier would it be to communicate? How much easier would it be to navigate? Because we have the same values. We grew up pretty similarly. Oh my God, you know, this is so easy. Mm -hmm. This is so, I mean, it would be really fun to work with <laughs> people who are like you, 
but you know and and it just puts into perspective the advantage that they have most of the time but when you think about it if you are a person who's a minority you've grown so much more because you have to learn how to make connections with people you know who are not the same age not same ethnicity probably have never even heard of the school that you went to don't have the same values don't even know your home country and things of that nature and so it kind of forces you or pushes you to open your mind Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah that's pretty cool what advice would you give to your younger self gina (laughs) if you could go back in time (laughs) oh um i think it's so funny because i think it's the same advice that i would give myself now so i had a conversation with my life coach today after you know some time and I keep talking about trusting the process and, you know, like everything is a journey. Everything is a process. So, you know, I've, I've learned to have a lot of patience for myself. You know, if I have a goal, you know, I'm, I'm really like anxious and impatient. I'm just like, why is it not happening mm-hmm. like tomorrow? You know, like that, that's the type of person that I am. But she encouraged me to look at things in a different way. You know, think about every step of the way as a milestone, and not as progress. Like, oh my God, I did this, even if it was small or whatever it may be, that's that's a huge thing. And instead of looking at it, I'm building up to something and to looking at the present, I'm here now and this is already amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a really good point. I think I struggle a lot with that too, <laughs> of like being patient. <laughs> I feel like, oh, once I get to my destination, then it'll be easy for me to say, exactly. oh yeah, honey, just trust the process like to other people. <laughs> but when you're not at your destination, yeah. it just feels like like so much harder, you know? Yeah, and I think like part of that advice is one, enjoy the time that you're at now. It's it's in and of itself a beautiful time. Like live in the present moment as cliche, you know, as that sound. And uh, Amy, like there's no destination. This is it. Like we're here now. So having that shift in perspective is like, it's sending me into another crisis. (laughs) (laughs) But it, it's no. challenging when we grow up like thinking about the future and like everything that we want to try to work towards yeah and and it's it's just like you know I, I think I've always had that mentality ever ever since I was young and it's the same thing that I'm still working on it's like enjoy it like breathe like the moment is now I agree 100 percent. yeah I agree it was something that I personally also struggled with a lot earlier on and as crazy as it sounds like I mean a lot of people say it when they give you like advice or like when you start listening to I don't know motivation reading books or motivational podcasts and all stuff like be present be present but in all honesty something that helped me a lot was through sports or like yeah just different experiences so it didn't I didn't fully click in my head until I tried free diving. And I feel like that's something that I like to encourage people to really go out and try something new for them to like, just get this click in their head that offers them a lot of perspective. So with free diving is like, okay, you have to hold your breath for a certain amount of time to like, let's say you get to like down to 12 meters. And you're so focused on like getting down to where the ball is, like just swimming down and like being able to get up and like go back out 
that it really makes the whole process a lot more stressful and challenging. Whether as when you relax and like relax your body, focus your head just straight on the line where you're present right now, your whole body and mind just flow together and work together. And you're not even worried about whether you're gonna like where the ball is or where you're finally heading. You just get there. And then the moment you get there, it's like, oh, okay, I'm here. Time to go back up. And it's just like, it's a completely different feeling that in all honesty, I know you two like to try new things. So if you want to go try free diving, <laughs> I recommend it 100%. It's not even about swimming. It's not about like holding your breath. It, it was all mental. And it was just like a beautiful thing that I would 100% like recommend. But I, it's, it's what fully allowed me to have that like aha moment <laughs> where like, oh, okay, I, I know how to be present. It's like, it's not like I have to be present. But it's more of like, okay, now I know what being present fully means and what it feels like for me and my body. Yeah. So I think that's something that I hope a lot of people learn to experience, especially like if you're always worried about the future or like the outcome of things or if you struggle with like anxiety, like it's a huge relief for people's bodies. But I love mm -hmm. the advice that you give yourself every day and that you gave yourself to your younger self. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. And I think um, that's part of, you know, just like a growth journey, just like learning is knowing things that you've known, but now they have a different meaning. Right. Um, so yeah, I love that. I would definitely like, like to try it. For learn to apply experience. it to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad you shared that, Laura, yeah. because I think like for me, I am the most present when I do do sports. I think I tried like, what is it called? Yeah. When you're on a little board at the back of the boat, water um, waiting. I don't remember what it's called. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, I, I'm not good at that. <laughs> yeah. that I definitely agree with you. Like with sports in general. Is yeah. that wakeboarding? I think it's wakeboarding. Yeah. And wakeboarding. <laughs> that's what it did it for me. And I was like, whoa, I don't think I've been this present in a long time. And sports definitely did it. Yeah. So Gina, what are your future plans? What can our listeners look out for? I know, I know, I, I'm like excited for you to share. <laughs> yeah, so I think um, through all this time, another thing that I've learned to do is let go of control. And I think, you know, there's always like, um, the what's next question and you know like when is this going to happen and all this you know anxious thoughts and stuff but um, through this pandemic I think I've learned a lot to to let go and trust whatever comes my way right so one of the things that I had initially planned with this new um, role that I got new job at Microsoft was to move to Washington to Seattle because that was what the role entailed however you know through conversations with my manager Manager, there's really no expectations for me to be there. And so I kind of, you know, was like, wait, I, I did not capture that. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. And it uh -huh. took me a while to process. But I was like, 
oh my god that is so exciting i can literally do whatever so i'm actually gonna take some time off and i'm going to go to mexico so i'm gonna take some vacation and go to mexico city um i'm gonna go to puerto escondido which is like the number one or one of the top places for surfing and i'm so excited to try it again i'm a desert child i am not you know i i don't know how to do any anything to do with water i can swim but i can't do anything with water so <laughs> i think it'll really help me you know get into the present moment as we were talking about because i actually never did sports like that's a whole nother story but um <laughs> yeah like i'm super excited to travel i'll also be in huatulco in mexico which is another like gem beach um and after that i don't know i all i know is that i'll be spending around four to five weeks in mexico the first two and a half will be vacation and the rest will be uh working remotely and so um after that i'll come back to the u.s i'm going to go to denver and then i'm going to go to san diego to baja fest to and then tijuana you know like to to the whole you know um baja fest because i'm a reggaetonera you know i love that (laughs) (laughs) so um that that is coming up but I think one of my goals or dreams is to become absolutely nomadic, like ah, like the idea of just like traveling the world and getting to know cultures myself and still be able to sustain, you know, that salary and security would be the ultimate goal. I think um, I'm becoming it. I don't think it's going to be, you know, completely 100% of the time just yet, but I'm so excited to share because I think when you travel, it's one of those times where you learn the most because it's so uncomfortable and a lot of the situations you've never been exposed to and um, it'll be also different working from it from anywhere you know you'll have to learn to find a balance between things and I'm sure there's a lot of things that I'll learn along the way so I'll be sharing that you know as I go (laughs) (laughs) yeah we're looking forward to it it's it's so exciting yeah I'm really yeah I'm very excited that's so cool so you get to work remote yeah, and I think I could come in different ways. Yeah. Um, I also like the idea of being, you know, in a place, but um, I think it just depends on what are your priorities. Like, you know, if budget is a priority, then that's a lot harder to have a place and then keep traveling and rotating cities from six to eight weeks. That's a lot harder if you still have to pay, you know, an apartment or, mm-hmm. you know, if your priority is to explore, it might be where, you know, you go certain weeks and then come back. And I, I don't yeah. think I know what I'll do. All right. I know is like, <laughs> I'll be traveling and working at some point too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's such a growing thing right now now that there's a lot of like digital um there's a lot of co-working spaces uh being set up being built yeah and they're just really like helpful for that type of stuff so even if like you're on a budget or can't have your own like space or set up like you still mm-hmm. have a place where you can be efficient and work yeah uh, and yeah. focus and like co-work with other people yeah i'd love to try that for yeah. a bit just to see what it's like you know and then decide like do i like <laughs> yeah. that better or maybe it's like a priority thing like when you want to experience things you experience it and then if you don't like it as much then you can always go back yeah exactly yeah. exactly well this has probably been one of the most interesting conversations <laughs> and i'm so glad we did this <laughs> Gina, can you tell us where everyone can find you on social media and online? Yes. So my website is Gina 
emoreno.com. And my Instagram is at Gina E Moreno underscore. I'm so sad that the it, the username wasn't available without the underscore. Um, and then um, TikTok, I'm Gina E Moreno. So anywhere, I'm so happy to connect with people and just, you know, chat and um, help any way and I, that I can. Yes, we'll have everything linked on the show notes. Uh, so everyone go check out Gina because she's an amazing resource. Always a good conversationalist. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love it. Well, thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Gina. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed uh, this time. And, you know, I love engineering gals. Um, thanks for this community. Oh, thanks so much. <laughs> Okay, everyone, that was it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, if you enjoyed the episode, don't forget to share it with your friends and leave us a review. You can also leave a small donation at anchor.fm slash engineering gals. We'll talk to you next Monday. Bye.